Sunday Show Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Carmen, and finally, the oh, sorry, wrong sport, guys. I'm back. I'm back. You guys, I know everyone's been clamoring for the captain. He's back. How are we doing? How are we doing, gents? Hey, hey. Hey, you know, I, I miss saying my, 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 my tag along, my, my, I just missed. That's all. You know, I don't have to worry about the intro. <laughs> and now uh, we got the commish, right? I've, I've enjoyed, you know, the listening to you guys chop it up. Uh, very well done. Much appreciated, you know, holding it down while I was out. Uh, but now I'm back in action and uh, commish. We got, we got some draft talk. Right, we're gonna do some draft talk today, and then uh, how are you feeling about the draft, there, Kamish? Yeah, man, it's great. It's great to finally have the three of us on here uh, talking some football at, at long last. But uh, yeah, draft is uh, the draft is in the rearview mirror here. Finally, it was awesome, awesome three days as it always is, and uh, no shortage of excitement either. Feeling pretty good about it, and I can't wait to uh, dive into it. Yeah, and then Aaron, we got a special guest later on today, right? We do, we do. We got Greg Leonard from um, ESPN Radio, ESPN Chattanooga. Uh, we're gonna chop it up with him. We're, we're, you know, we brought him on to do a mock draft, so that's gonna be fun to kind of uh, see how a dynasty mock draft will go with rookies only to, you know, with a super flex league. So um, fun hearing, you know, we talk with each other all the time. We hear our own thoughts. It's definitely fun to bring someone else who knows sports um, on onto the show. So. Definitely stay tuned because that's that's a fun mock draft. Are we talking worldwide leader of sports? Is that what we're saying right now? We're getting we're getting worldwide leader of sports interviews. I like it. I like it. <laughs> you guys have been working hard, working hard. I like it. Um, so we'll get into the draft, but let's let's talk on some of the you know news. The NFL news and or the draft day trades. So, Kamish, I'll let you jump on the first one. If you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about your boy, AJ, going to the Eagles, what do you think of that? Yeah, that was a wild one. Uh, definitely unexpected for sure. Uh, this was one of those years where we're walking into the draft. We weren't really sure what to expect, given the lack of a, kind of a consensus top couple of picks which is really abnormal compared to most seasons. But this one didn't disappoint, both in terms of the, the picks that were made and the players that were traded on draft night, on the first night particularly. And this one involves A.J. Brown heading over to Philadelphia, where he's going to catch passes from Jalen Hurts going forward. Um, they, they got that deal done, uh, like I said, on night one. The Titans got back uh, first-round pick, number 18 overall, in which they used to select Traylon Burks wide receiver out of Arkansas. And they also got back a, a third round pick in that deal as well for AJ Brown. You know, it's uh, AJ Brown's one of those guys. He's a really talented football player. We saw him produce really well for a fantasy standpoint in a, in a lower volume passing offense down there in Tennessee for the last couple of seasons. He's joining another run heavy offense in Philadelphia, but he's definitely going to be the alpha receiver there uh, for, for the Eagles. And, um, you know, this is a guy who I think is going to be pretty fantasy relevant no matter where he ends up. But I do think it's a little bit of a hit here uh, for his, at least his short term, while he's linked to Jalen Hurts, just due to, due to the, the number of uh, skill players he's competing with. He was kind of the only game in town in the receiving department down there with the Titans. And now coming up north and uh, joining, joining the Birds in Philadelphia, he's now competing for targets with Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. 
and uh, Jalen Rager hanging around there as well uh, to be a to be a complimentary piece for the Eagles. And I, I think when you, whenever you're talking about a guy like Jalen Hurts who who runs around a lot and and kind of steals touchdowns in the red zone that way, it's going to hurt a guy like an AJ Brown who you know he plays a pretty physical style. And so I think there's a little bit of a trickle down there where we're not we might not quite see AJ Brown be the lock stock and barrel wide receiver one that he has been when he's healthy, but this is still a guy you're going to want on your dynasty roster. Yeah, I. I agree. I think this is a case of the of the Eagles um, kind of going, hey, let's go with a, a wide receiver we know can perform. We're tired of, uh, you know, soon and missing uh, at the free throw line with uh, some of our draft picks and, you know, first and second round. So, um, you know, they 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 hit OK with Smith last year, but I, I don't think they want to take a chance on one of these rookie wide receivers again. So it's one of those where it was probably a good football move. Right. So it's probably good for the organization. Um, fantasy wise, which, you know, we talked heavily on here. Um, I, I think, you know, to the commission's point is like, we may see a, somewhat of a competition between him and Smith and then being on, on, um, you know, the Eagles run heavy offense too. So like I said, good football move for the organization. I don't know I, how I feel yet about, uh, fantasy wise with Brown. Yeah. And it's kind of funny, right? Cause we went not, not one Brown, not one Brown, my friends got traded. But two Browns got traded at the draft. So that will segue us right into now. Anyone who knows me and knows my history, I was a big Hollywood Brown guy. I have, I've now recanted my love for Hollywood Brown. And uh, he went to Arizona. So what were the details on that one, Kamish, on that, that little gem of a deal? Sure. Yeah, another first-round pick involved in, in this trade. Uh, the Ravens. Traded Hollywood Brown away in exchange for a uh, number 23 overall in the draft. Um, and the Cardinals received Marquise Hollywood Brown as well as a third round selection, uh, which they used on a defensive end uh, out of, out of uh, Cincinnati. But um, yeah, this one is another, it was another big move, really unexpected. And I feel like it was kind of like almost back to back with the, uh, the AJ Brown news. So a lot of things flying around there uh, on, on draft night for sure, which was fun to follow, but you know, some of the fantasy fallout from, from a deal like this, you know, it's uh it's going to touch on both sides of this. So I'll start with the Ravens side and let you guys kind of pick over the, the Cardinals section of it. You know, Hollywood Brown moving on from Lamar Jackson and heading out to Arizona. Uh, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, it, it really does leave them kind of void of a clear cut number one receiver in their offense. You know, Brown might not have profiled necessarily for that type of player in an NFL offense, but that's the role he was in uh, with the Ravens for the last couple of seasons. So now it, I think it puts a lot of pressure on a guy, a, a young, another young guy, Rashad Bateman, to kind of step in there and, and take on that number one receiving role. And I think that's kind of what they had in mind from, from Bateman when they drafted him a season ago um, was for him to eventually de- develop into that alpha receiver, someone who's more, more of a, you know, polished all, all around as a receiver compared to Hollywood Brown, who's more of a speed-based player. So I think it's, I think it's a good opportunity for, for Bateman to step up. I think his value definitely takes a nice little boost here with Brown going out the door. Uh, I, I think, I, I guess I didn't get it a ton from a football perspective, because, you know, Lamar Jackson, I think the Ravens are really are trying to get him to kind of make, take that next step in his development where he's running a little bit less and getting the ball out of his hands to to his playmakers to, you know, to prolong his career a little bit and help him take that next step in his development. So I, I was a little head, a little bit of a head scratcher to see is a guy who's been his top receiver go out the door, you know, particularly as he's still a young player. So I, I it's not I don't think it's great for Lamar Jackson in terms of his real football prowess, but I think it's going to be good for him from a fantasy standpoint because it's going to put him in more situations where he, you know, if his guys aren't getting open, he's going to have to take off and run, which we love 
to get that running production out of our quarterbacks. Yeah. And over on the, you know, over on the Arizona side, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be like a, I guess I am sometimes a little conspiracy theorist, but you never know if, uh, you know, how much the, you know, the Cardinals knew what was going on with DeAndre Hopkins where, you know, we learned, uh, you know, he's suspended six weeks. Sometimes, you know, a lot of those decisions up there in the front office, they know some of that stuff is coming to a head possibly. So um, I think it was, it was probably a good move if, if that were the case, but let's even just talk the facts there where I do like Hollywood Brown, you know, landing spot in Arizona. Cause you know, Kyler Murray, he, d- he doesn't look like it obviously with his height and, and, and whatnot that people pick on him with, but he's one of the best, you know, deep, deep ball um, throwers in the, in the league. Right. So um, talking about game flow and games, game script, you know, compared to the Ravens and Lamar, I think he actually fits better over there in Arizona, which, um, you know, they, they, they seem like they needed, um, you know, need that. Right. So I kind of like it in that respect. And, and then I, I think just very quickly touch on the Raven, Ravens is I think they just saw too much value. I mean, they, they went pretty hard with, um, you know, with some defensive picks there again, um, you know, uh, you know, the, the value they had there kind of just re up in that, that, um, that safety position. And they had a huge steal in the draft with that center. So they're, they're probably going back to that run-heavy offense that worked for them a, f- a few years back. So th- those are kind of my thoughts on the two teams with that trade. Yeah, I mean, if I can just be honest, I, I just didn't think the Cardinals needed another undersized, injury-prone wideout. They already got one. Like, <laughs> oh, they're competing for the smallest wide receiver core in the NFL? I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I personally don't understand that when you've got – they already make a million gadget plays for Rondell Moore. So now they're going to make 2 million gadget plays for Rondell Moore and Hollywood Brown. It, I don't, I personally don't think it's a good move on the, for the Cardinals side. I think it's a great move from a real football side for, ball, for Baltimore, if that makes sense. If that makes sense of what I'm saying. I think it's a great move for Baltimore from a GM perspective. I don't think it's a good move from a GM perspective for Arizona. It's interesting that you say that. I, I do. I, I'll throw it right back to you. You know, I guess you say it's a good thing from the Ravens' perspective. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, why? You, what you know? What benefit do you think there might be to the Ravens losing their top receiver? Uh, and really, Ravens kind of the only only game in town at this point. Can you kind of take me through your thoughts on that? Well, here's the here's the deal. I don't think that Hollywood Brown is. I think they think they got Bateman, and he's more of the top X receiver, but. Let's call it what it is. The Ravens are going to run the football and they're going to throw the ball to the tight end. And then when they have to, they'll throw the ball to the wide receiver. For them, they were able to add much needed depth on the defensive side of the ball, which is which I think when they were looking at it was, hey, Hollywood Browns not going to win us any games. That's how they view it. It's not changing their fundamental offense. What, what it did do was it allowed them to improve their defense and help them out in areas that they needed. So from a fantasy perspective, yeah, it's, it doesn't help them. But from a regular GM perspective, I think it does, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I think I know where you're going, where, like, look at it financially. Like, Hollywood Brown was on his last year, right? So, like, he was still on his rookie contract. You know, if, if they wanted to commit to him, he's going to – they're either going to either have to get rid of him after the 23 season or re-up him, right? So he's going to want a lot more money. So financially, that kind of makes sense to kind of get, 
you know, they kind of, I, I think they wanted to see what they were going to get at that pick. But yeah, I think they improved their defense. And then w- what they got in turn was a, a monster at, at a center coming from Iowa too, to where they, they go back to that run heavy o- offense to where, yeah, they, they maybe they, they figured out that Hollywood didn't really fit their scheme the best. I mean, I think he had a great start to last year, but I think they kind of just weighed out a couple of those, you know, differences that they, they were kind of okay with letting them go and, and, and try to go in a different direction. But I think if you look at a couple of those things that, that I can kind of see where that's, you know, they, they, they just couldn't pass up the value there. Yeah. I hear where you're both coming from on that for sure. And I think the, uh, Aaron, that piece you hit on with the, with the, the contract coming down the pike for Hollywood Brown definitely played a factor into that. You know, we're seeing these receivers, they want this big money as, as they're nearing the end of their rookie contracts. And, and, you know, we get it, obviously, you know, they, they want the long-term security that comes with it, but with all these good receiver classes coming up here, it's, it's kind of flooded the the receiver market with really good cost control of young talent. And I think that's uh, that definitely plays a factor for these teams. I think Baltimore, if they have aspirations to compete this year, might be in the market for a, a free agent wide receiver, whether that be someone like a Jarvis Landry or someone maybe like a, you know, calm down Aaron, but a Will Fuller, maybe, you know, someone <laughs> who can come in on, on the cheap and, and stretch the field for them when they need it. So I do think we see a, a minor move here to address that need while saving some long-term capital by not investing in Hollywood Brown. Kamish, do not bring up <laughs> Will Fuller. We, 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 we try to, he's going to mention Will Fuller a million times throughout uh, the year because he's going to take him in every single Kings lineup. So let's try to keep the Will Fuller talk to a minimum, please. I understood. We did actually get through three weeks. Three of the four weeks we were on without you, we actually got through without any Will Fuller talk. So I think we'll go for another three to four week span going forward from here. Well, wait you a don't second. Know. Wait a second. Remember, <laughs> you, you you comped him to Davis and Will uh, Williams. I'll, I'll never forget that. I'm going to be looking at him and thinking Will Fuller for the rest of my life, I think. We, I see. He was squeaked in there. Yeah, <laughs> Just one, though, Aaron. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, so no, before- I, that's a great point. I, I, you know, it's it's weird for me to for this to come out my mouth, but I think talking the Ravens, I think if I were to try to be as honest as I can with it, but between Fuller and Landry, I think Jarvis Landry being a physical runner would fit in that offense a little bit better with Lamar. Um, that's just my two cents there, though. All right, so before we uh, get into any any other than the trades. And I guess we'll each go with one here. Other than the trades in the NFL at the draft, was there any surprise? And I'll let you kick it off, Commission, and then you can kick it over to Mr. Browntown. Can you name, you know, your big surprise from this NFL draft, one that you didn't see coming? Yeah. Um, as a Patriots fan, uh, I was shocked that we took Cole Strange there in the, uh, in the first round when he was mocking around, you know, the third round or so. But we don't we don't care much about guard talk around here, so I'll kind of leave that to the side. But um, I we kind of touched on it already, and that was the AJ Brown deal. You know, I I really thought that that was a guy they were going to make it a priority to keep him, just given how important he was to the Tennessee offense. Um, you know, they they're a team that's been they've been really solid the last couple of seasons. They made that one run to the <laughs> AFC Championship game a few years ago, and they've been making the playoffs ever since and, and kind of hanging around, but weren't weren't serious contenders necessarily for the last couple of seasons, getting bounced in, in their first playoff game. But I really thought they would take care of this guy as a core piece of their team going forward, you know, give a guy like a Ryan Tannehill an alpha wide receiver to, uh, you know, to, to work with. And they, they took him away. So they're really relying now on, on Traylon Burks and Robert Woods coming off an ACL injury himself 
to uh, to take on a lot of that pass catching role as Derrick Henry gets a little bit older and during his age 28 season. So I, I was really surprised to see Brown move out of Philadelphia. I really thought that was going to be a contract that they that he and the team figured out. But, you know, like like we always say, the NFL is really hard to pin down. And that's what makes it so much fun. Go ahead, Aaron. You no, know, you got any big surprises from the draft? I mean, I think I'll just call out a headline is I think a lot of, you know, Packers fans uh, we're kind of hoping for a first round wide receiver after just training their best one, if not the best in the league away. Right. So I think that's like kind of a one where, you know, I think actually it's funny when we get through our, our mock draft and actually, uh, you know, talk, talking with our, our guest um, today as well, um, you know, kind of get a perspective on Green Bay situation and kind of fans reactions to that. But I think that's one of the top headlines as far as head scratchers to where, Hey, like we do know the wide receiver position these days is a little bit deeper in the draft, but Hey, like a lot of these fans and, and people want to see um, top tier talent in that, especially, you know, having, you know, Aaron Rodgers on the team too. So um, for me, that one just kind of sticks out in my head a little bit that I can, that I can think of. All right. All right. And I'll close with mine. So mine was, I was actually quite surprised in how long Howell stayed on, how long Howell stayed on the clock. Right. I mean, that's I was just I, every round kept coming. I was like, all right, this team needs a quarterback. Nope. <laughs> and it just kept going and going and going. I, I almost got uncomfortable for him at, at one point in the, in the draft. But uh, I was actually surprised at how long he stayed, you know, out there. What do you guys think of that? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's fun. I mean, it's not, it's actually not funny, but it's, there is an awkwardness about it when you're watching the draft and you, you kind of are hoping some players aren't in that green room, right? Like you kind of want to be in, but maybe by the families in those situations where like, you know, if you're not drafted, you know, in, in, at draft night, you know, for night one or night two or something, um, you, you definitely do start feeling bad for those guys. But the ironic thing is a lot of those guys still ended up in those, um, all the, teams you know team needs of needing quarterbacks i think it was just strategically picked where they they still all wound up in the teams that was all talked about they just fell a little deeper in later rounds yeah and i think that like you said it's so awkward when those guys get invited to the drafts because they, maybe they got some bad intel that they were going to go in round one like you know malik willis was another guy that kind of fell into that camp as well where it's kind of like the guy's sitting here you know not not a day one pick and then he's not in the round two pick and the third round's going, you know, coming and going, and you're like, oh man, is this guy gonna have to come back for a third day? Like, <laughs> did he even pack a third suit for this? Like, you know, it's it's a it keeps dragging on you, but you know, he did. He ended up in a halfway decent spot himself as well. But yeah, you just never know with the NFL guys, and it's like it's it's so crazy. We do all this research, we think it have it all pinned down, and something like this happens, and you really just can't make it up. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're gonna kick it off now. We'll we'll go to our our guest, and uh, we'll do our mock draft. All right, so we got a special guest here, uh, Mr. Aaron Brown. Do you want to uh, do the honors and introduce? Yeah, so as mentioned earlier on the show, we got Greg Larnard here from ESPN Chattanooga. How's it going, Greg? Things are good, guys. How are you? Pretty good. I mean, I, I think we're we're excited uh, to talk some football. I know we got we got this uh, mock draft that uh, I think will will be definitely fun and kind of go back and forth and kind of hear different. And we, we, we banner around all year along, you know, the three of us to kind of get some ideas, but I, I think you from Chattanooga to maybe get a little bit of, um, you know, opinions from, from the South, see if it's, you know, our, uh, us East coast guys kind of have 
some of the same things we're thinking are, are different. So I think that'll be kind of fun to, to explore. That will be because I don't know if you guys know this, but my background is from the East Coast. I grew up in Connecticut. So I do have I, I feel like I have a best of both worlds situation going on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's before we dive right into the mock draft, let's let's talk about you a little bit. Um, as I mentioned, you're from ESPN Chattanooga. Uh, you do have a live show called uh, The Word with G. Um, and then you also have a podcast called Chat It Up. Um, yeah. How about we start with the live show? How about you talk a little bit about um, that show and kind of what that covers and, you know, a little bit of background on that? Sure, absolutely. Um, and I appreciate you guys giving the platform. It's, uh, it's really cool to be on. And I, uh, I'm glad you guys reached out to me. But uh, when it comes to ESPN Chattanooga and the Word with G, it's the Word with G is a sports media brand that I've sort of been cultivating for the last, gosh, probably 11 years at this point uh, now, 12, 11 years, something like that, all the way back to when I was, uh, gosh, a sophomore or a junior, I think it was in, uh, in high, or, you know, excuse me, in college at uh, SUNY Plattsburgh, way upstate New York. But um, it's just been a name ever since I've gotten an opportunity to host my own live show that I've sort of brought with me. And uh, I, I had it as a podcast first. It was a live show in my college radio then it was a, a podcast when I was trying to work my way into the industry. And then uh, when I got to Louisiana, where I was before here, I was able to get my first live show and, and have it be the word with G. And now we're here in Chattanooga. We've been here a little over a year now. And uh, it's just continued to keep the good good things rolling. And um, so I'm on every, every single day, noon to two Eastern Standard Time here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And a lot of the things that we, we go over and we cover and, you know, we talk about is, you know, the local stuff, obviously the Chattanooga box, and they've been in the headlines recently for some big things with David Jean Baptiste hitting that big shot in the SOCON tournament to get the box to the NCAA tournament and obviously almost upsetting Illinois in that first round game, which I was in the building for, which was really cool. Got an opportunity to meet and interview T.O., which was pretty sweet out uh, before the game. And then, um, you know, obviously Cole Strange getting drafted in the first round, surprisingly by the Patriots. Like, that was insane. Um, so we cover a lot of the mocks and, and things like that. And then we have, obviously, UT with the Vols. And the baseball team has been really good. The basketball team uh, had a really good year this past year and obviously a little disappointing ending. Um, and then we cover, you know, the Predators and, and, and the Grizzlies and the Hawks and the Braves are on our air. The Falcons are also on our air. We also cover a lot of Titan stuff. So a lot of local regional stuff. There's a lot around us. There's a lot of Georgia fans here. There's a lot of Alabama fans as well. You know, obviously UT is the, is the big one, you know, whether it be with the, uh, with the Vols or, or the Mocs. Uh, so that's a lot of the stuff that we do, but, but I also, as you know, we were talking about, I have a, a Northern background as well. And growing up in the Northeast, College sports, for me, in my world, weren't, weren't the biggest. I was always a pro sports guy. So I've been getting used to the college world over the last couple of years and really diving into that and the recruiting and the transfer portal now. It's a lot to keep up with. But uh, we talk a lot about that. And then we also have just a national sports background. And, you know, I, I'm a Packers fan. So, you know, I like to talk a lot of football, a lot, a lot of Packers and things like that. But, um, but yeah, we, we do a lot of different things on the show. We try to keep it regional, local, but – I also like to throw some debatable national topics in there as well. That's awesome. So yeah, just sounds like a little bit of everything. And and then yeah, for us with Sunday Surefire, that's you know, I think that's why I think this is this will be kind of fun to kind of 
you know, I think our big thing about just football specifically, it's like all year round thing. Like you could literally have a podcast just about football. So it's, it's kind of cool that you cover in the, the pros and college. And it's cool. You get some of those interviews, you know, firsthand experience and kind of live through it too, with the college world too. Cause I know that atmosphere is fun. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, Carmen, commission, you got any questions over uh, uh live show and in the word with G? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'll jump in there. Yeah, Greg, really appreciate you taking the time to be on with us today. Uh, it's definitely awesome to have you on here. Uh, quick question for you. I guess uh, it was great to hear your background. Can you, can you hit on a little bit about what uh, your experience has been with fantasy, uh, whether it be dynasty or redraft leagues? You know, how, uh, how deep you dive into these rookies this time of year? <laughs> uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Not, not a ton in terms of, you know, the, the rookies. That was probably the first time I've ever done a strictly – oh, no, second time. I think I did a, a strictly rookie draft one other time, um, but that, that was pretty cool what we did with the, you know, the two round uh, mock draft with the rookies and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big fantasy guy. I've been playing since I was a real little kid. And, um, you know, over the last five years or so since I've gotten an opportunity, well, actually really going back, I was doing a, a digital show on CBS sports, uh, CBS local digital media, and I remember just being so enamored with fantasy football. Actually, even further back than that, when I was doing stuff on my own, I would literally have a setup where I'd have like boxes piled up. I'd have my laptop on top of that. And I would literally just do like fantasy football, like updates and things like that. I called it like the Word with G fantasy football update or something like that. I mean, I'm sure it's it's still on my it lives on my YouTube somewhere in the in the annals of history that if you really, really want to go back and look at how bad. Those were when, we, when I first started. Uh, I had those, but and then I transitioned it to, to doing it on CBS Local Digital Media, where I was working there doing a digital media show, and uh, and then I transitioned it to my live shows, where every single Tuesday we do the Fantasy Football Lounge, where me and a co-host that I met in Louisiana, who's a big fantasy football guy, him and I would always team up, and we uh, play in a bunch of different leagues. I play in usually like seven or eight different leagues. Um, and we do that show every single Tuesday. And I also have uh, Lisa Ann, the great Lisa Ann, who uh, is a fantasy football guru now. She obviously her old life in porn. She's she's gotten herself into fantasy football and fantasy sports big time. And I've been really lucky enough to have connected with her and have her on the show, I think, for the last three or four years, uh, every single Friday uh, with us. And uh, it's been really cool. So big fantasy football guy. I also dabble a little in basketball and baseball, but Football's where 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 we uh, we have our bread and butter for sure. Yeah, it's all right. Great to hear that. We'll uh, we'll see if we can compete with the uh, with the expert on here, guys. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I got a quick question for you, but before I get into my question, uh, Captain Carmen here, I I can tell you being from Boston, uh, my experience. Wait, you're from Boston? No way. Yeah, <laughs> tough, tough. yeah. Tough. I actually filled in. Uh, for Carmen once and I, I, I try to kick off the show in a Boston accent and I don't think I was fooling anyone. <laughs> it was probably the worst uh, accent ever. But um, so I, I went to years ago, I went to Knoxville, Tennessee, and um, I learned all I need to know about how crazy uh, people are down south about college sports, because being from New England area in Boston in particular, you know, we had Matt Ryan at Boston College and no one cared. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I get to I got to Knoxville and we're outside of a lids and there's a giant 
uh, Peyton Manning statue outside of a lids. I couldn't believe it. At the time, the Tennessee Titans were like one of the best teams in pro football, and no one even really cared about that either. So I, that's all I learned immediately. It was like, wow, it's a different breed down south when it comes to college sports. That's yeah, for sure. It, it really, really is. It's it's wild. Like I said, I I grew up in the Northeast as well, and college sports weren't really a thing. Like that's not anything that my dad really got me into. The biggest thing that I was into college sports wise was UConn basketball growing up in Connecticut, uh, having those women's teams be so incredible for such a long time. And they continue to be under Gino Ariema. Uh, but with coach Calhoun, Jim Calhoun, I, I used to go to the UConn, you know, basketball camps. I did that a couple of times during the summer when I was a kid, but uh, that was really the only college sports, but then you're right. You get down here and it's like, it's not even just the college sports. It's really the high school sports being in Louisiana and Tennessee, like, People go bananas over high school football. And I'm still trying to sort of understand it. Maybe it's because I didn't grow up here. Like, it's it's not as big of a deal for me. But I understand these people, they love their football, whether it's high school, whether it's college, whether it's pros. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. I, I understood it once I went to Knoxville and I said, wow, this is different. But so I guess my question is, you're, you're a Packers fan. Yes. How, how do you feel about the draft? How do you feel you guys did in the draft? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I was feeling pretty good about it. And, um, and then I talked to a guy today on my show who covers the FCS, and he wasn't so high on uh, Christian Watson, uh, who, they, who they got an opportunity to select uh, from an FCS school. Uh, so I was a little disappointed about that, but I, I, I got to be honest, I do love the first two, uh, two picks that they had with uh, the two defensive players from, from Georgia. I was really a big fan of Quay, Quay Walker uh, out of Georgia, and then you get an opportunity to draft another guy in uh, Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia, and that was one of the best defenses in the nation last year, obviously winning the national championship and getting an opportunity to continue to stack and build that defense, I think is – is crucial for the Packers, especially where they are right now without Devontae Adams. And I think what their strategy is right now as an organization is saying, all right, look, we don't have Devontae anymore. I don't think we're going to be able to replace that or make that up. So let's just stack our defense as crazy as we possibly can. And then we'll have Aaron Rodgers as a back-to-back -back MVP and Matt LaFleur, who's a very creative offensive mind, try to figure it out offensively. Like we don't have to be great offensively, if we can just be good offensively, same thing like we saw in the in, in the playoff game against the 49ers last year, if they were just good offensively, they win that game going away because they simply dominated. And then of course, having Rich Passaccia come in as the uh, defensive uh, special teams coach, I think is going to be huge because that was a huge, huge problem for the Packers last year. But uh, love the first two picks. I know some Packers fans might not be too happy in terms of in terms of the defense and not drafting a wide receiver in the first round like we haven't since 2002 with Javon Walker. But, uh, you know, they did get some offensive linemen. Also, uh, you know, the wide receiver out of Nevada, I was I was happy about. So they did some things. It's not like they, they ignored the wide receiver position. I'm hoping that Watson can be a little bit better than uh, my buddy who was telling me a little bit about him and, and how he wasn't, you know, super high on the fit. Thinks it's just going to take him a little bit of time. To, uh, to, to really grow into the player that he thinks he can be. So overall happy. Uh, I would have loved a guy like Traylon Burks. I, you know, I, 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 I know he came here to Tennessee with the Titans. 
I think it's a really good fit, obviously replacing AJ Brown, but uh, all in all, not too bad for the Packers. They, 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 you know, they got some of their needs filled and uh, was happy about that. All right. All right. Well, I think we'll get right into the uh, mock draft results that we did for uh, dynasty. Right. So one pick one, that was the uh, computer and that was uh Brees hall. I'm pretty sure none of us are going to disagree with that, that call, right? We can go, we can move right on to the next one. Sure can. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think it's a consensus number one pick every single mock I've ever looked at. So that's not changing. And then Greg, you went ahead with pick two and you took Burks. So uh little insight to that, that decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I just felt like he had the best opportunity, especially with Robert Woods being down, but we'll come back sometime this season. I just thought replacing AJ Brown, he was, he's going to need to be big within that offense. And I know with this Tennessee offense, it's not a huge passing offense, but they do need some semblance of a pass. They are going to have to throw the football. And other than Traylon Burks at this moment, there's not a lot of options here for Tennessee. And if he's the most talented guy out there in terms of the wide receiver position, if he can get on the same page with Ryan Tannehill and, and during training camp, I was just really uh, excited about his size and his skill set. And I thought the opportunity was there for Traylon Burke. So that's why I took him second. Yeah. And I, I quite honestly, I have met too as well. So is, does anyone else differ on that, that take? So I think 102 is an interesting spot, uh, particularly in super flex leagues, which was this, uh, this mock was, uh, was, was done under it's a 12 team super flex league. And Traylon Burks is one of a couple of guys I think fit right into that category. I think it really just comes down to your, what you're looking for, what holes you have on your dynasty roster, what, how your league values different positions. That determines where you go with 102. But I think as far as wide receivers go, if that's the lane you're going to go into in this draft, I think that's that's the, the top receiver on the board. And if that's what your team's looking for, I think that that's, a, that's a great pick there at 102. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I think on a couple shows back, we talked, you know, Traylon Burks. I think I specifically talked about him too, where um, – I was a fan of Burks, but then I wasn't a fan of him in certain situations, but I, I can kind of envision him with the Titans um, and that offense to work. Okay. Um, you know, my fear is if, you know, you get him with like, a, you know, a, an offense that's a little questionable or maybe a younger QB that wants to just throw it up sometimes, um, you know, that's not truly his strength. I like getting him out in the open and once, you know, that big, strong, fast guy, once he's in the open, I think he, he, he'll do a lot of damage. So it's one of the spots I think was will fare okay, um, you know, with Burks. But he was definitely a landing spot guy that had me a little shaky, but I'm, I've always been a big fan of him. And I think Titans is, an, is a good landing spot. Yeah. yeah I think and if he would go on to a different team, I, I probably wouldn't have taken him second. But, you know, especially – and I don't mean to cut you off there, Car- Carmine. I believe it was you. That no, was you're talking, good. good. But- um, I, I was thinking, you know, I was looking at some other ones, whether it's Jamison Williams or uh, Drake London. You know, I just I don't like the quarterback position there. And I, I look, I don't love Ryan Tannehill with the Titans, but I, I do like Traylon Burks' skill set. And, and that's, you know, I've seen what A.J. Brown can be in that offense. And if he can be some semblance of that, I, I just I like the upside of Traylon Burks. That's why it's a. Yeah, I that, look, I like Burks at number two. And, you know, I took pick four, hoping that you'd admit you would like that he'd fall to me at four. <laughs> so, but I should, but I should have paid attention to the fact that you were coming from Tennessee <laughs> and that would probably. All over him. But I, I will, I will uh, preface this, that 
this is, you know, with the computer picks, it's, it's not mirroring a lot of the mock drafts that you see out there. So there are going to be some one-offs just for our, our fan base to pay attention to. Um, you know, so as we get down this list, you know, the commission's pointed that out to me and I, Aaron, this stuff definitely is interesting, but it's an early mock. So it's not exactly going to mirror what you see out there uh, in the dynasty world, so to speak. Um, but we can get right to pick three. To, I mean, Walker at pick three. Eh, I don't know. What's what's commission. What's your take on Walker at three? Yeah, I, I do like Walker. I think he's the number two back in this class, uh, just based on the talent that we saw from um, at Michigan state last year at the Spartans. Seattle is not the, by no means is it a sexy landing spot for the 2022 season. I do think that there is uh, some long-term problems with Walker. Right now, their backfield consists of Chris Carson, who's coming off a neck injury and just getting into his late 20s, as well as Rashad Penny, who, uh, who well, let, let's face it, to this point in his career, he's mostly been a bust with the exception of a few weeks uh, towards the end of last season where he actually turned into a league winner. Uh, so maybe I spoke a little too soon on that. But, you know, he's a guy who, who re-signed on a one-year contract. So they have a couple kind of placeholder guys down there in Seattle to, to at least hold the fort down with Walker in the mix. But I think this is a guy that, He's on a team that's going to do a rebuild. They're probably not going to be have a, a ton of game scripts where he's able to be run pounding the ball for four quarters because they're going to be behind on the scoreboard and, and chucking it around in the second half of these games. But he's a guy that I don't mind him at 103 at all if you're running back needy. And if the last couple of years have told us anything in fantasy, it's that you can never have enough running backs on your roster when the attrition rate starts kicking in towards the middle of the season. So this is a guy that I'm not necessarily targeting him at 103. But I can see the value in it at 103, and he's a guy who I'm going to have my sights on a little bit later down the line when he doesn't pop right away. He's a guy I might try to acquire in the middle of the season if I can get him at a discount. Yeah, I can kind of, you know, I kind of agree with that a little bit. But, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, he's still one of the top talented running backs in the class, you know, for sure. So it's where, you know, you may look down at yourself and at your team to where, hey, if you had an early pick, was it because, you know, your team didn't do too well last year? Um, to where, hey, can you afford having him be a bench player, you know, get, you know, be a, a, you know, subbing in and out, sharing some, some snaps with, uh, with Carson and Penny here and there. And if he can overtake them, great. But if not, like, hey, maybe it's a long-term selection with Walker. He's probably going to be their back of the future. Um, You know, so if you're, if you're okay and content with it, where maybe, you know, if you're still looking to rebuild and looking at that 2023 class, um, that's where, that's where uh, Walker may may make sense for you and your team. So my my general rule of thumb when it comes to dynasty picks, uh, unless it's a stud class of running backs, and I, I don't think this class is that. Uh, I think Hall is the only one you could consider like that. And then if my general rule is if it's not stud running backs, then I'm going to go with wideouts because the shelf life is so much longer. So. Um, I was go- I was going wide out from the rip because I knew I didn't have pick one. <laughs> so, so we can go right into pick four. And uh, I went with London. I hate the quarterback situation. Let me repeat. I hate the quarterback situation. But he was he's also a very talented guy. And someone's got to get volume there. Someone has to. We know, you know, the tight end's there. But who else do they have? So I just said – He's going to get volume. They're going to be playing from behind. They're probably one of the worst defenses in the NFL. He'll get a lot of garbage points, and uh, I'll take that. 
So that's why I went with London with pick four. Yeah, I, I like Drake London in terms of a, a prospect. Sometimes it scares me when guys don't put up huge numbers. I know he was at USC. He, he caught a lot of passes, which was great. And like you're talking about, Carmine, I, I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity there without Calvin Ridley in Atlanta, here in Atlanta specifically. And uh, he, could, he could fit in real nicely right next to a guy like Kyle Pitts. Now, I've heard – sort of two ends of the spectrum here with Drake London. One, he could be the offensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year this year, you know, uh, in this class. And some people are also saying he's sort of an old school type receiver where he might have some trouble separating uh, just a big body guy at 6'5", 210, uh, but you just kind of throw it up. And if you have sort of an inaccurate quarterback in Marcus Mariota throwing him the football, that could create some problems for Drake London. Obviously, if, if he's not right on the mark and London has to sort of adjust, maybe he has to go up and contested catches and going up against some, some really good cornerbacks. Um, you know, it worries me just a little bit, um, but I don't know at the, in the same vein, I don't know if there's somebody at this point at four, I probably would have taken over him to be honest with you. Um, you know, he's going to get a ton of opportunity there. And it's like you said, Carmine, the quarterback situation stinks, but he has the best opportunity, I think, of, of anybody sort of on this board. Yeah, yeah, I think – I mean, that's why I went with – like I said, I was going wide out regardless because I knew yeah. Hall was pick – I knew Hall was pick one. So once Hall's off the board, I don't like the other running backs uh, nearly as much as I like the wide receiver class. So once Hall's off the board, it makes my decision, okay, who do I like out of the wideouts? Once Burks was gone, it made it even easier. So there you that's go. Why, I think that was a good decision. Yeah, so that's why I went there. I mean, we can look at uh, five, six, and then we'll go right into Pickett at seven. So five was Wilson and six was Spiller. I'm going to say that Spiller was an absolute reach by the computer. We don't have to spend too much time talking on that. I, I don't. I don't think Spiller is a, a top six dynasty pick at all. Um, anyone else to agree or disagree with Wilson and Spiller at five and six? Yeah, I think yeah, I think kind of the uh, the reach of the draft, like you said, by the uh, by the computer. So I, I think he's more of a mid uh, early to mid second round guy uh, in rookie drafts at the earliest. So we won't don't need to harp on him too too much. As for Garrett Wilson, I, I did a write up on our on our blog uh, covering all the wide receivers, and he was the number one receiver I had coming in to uh, into the draft. And I still feel that way about him talent wise. You know, the situation, it's it's not great with the Jets um, on paper, obviously. You know, the Jets have kind of been a black hole for fantasy purposes for a long time here. But we used to say the same thing about, about Cincinnati, at least in terms of being a, a bad organization. So, I, you know, if you're high on Zach Wilson, uh, they have a, a better offensive line than you think in place there. They add Brees Hall to go with Elijah Moore. You know, they're, they're at least putting the right pieces in place. And I think Wilson is a guy whose skill set translates just about anywhere. Uh, because he's able to create that separation that, uh, that that we're looking for from a wide receiver. So I don't really have a problem with him going in, in the middle of the first round. You know, just to throw this in here about the Jets, like sneakily, like they have what could be a very talented wide receiving core. You know, you look at the, the first round, second round draft capital they've used over the last couple of years. You just mentioned it with Elijah Moore. Didn't you mention Denzel Mims is still there. Uh, Braxton Berrios has had a nice little year last year for uh, for the Jets and they, you know, they got Corey Davis, sort of the veteran of that group, but he's still sort of young. So they could have, if they can protect, as you mentioned, Zach Wilson, a nice little offensive group here uh, with the New York Jets. But as you also mentioned, Patrick, that 
this has been a fantasy sort of black hole with the New York Jets. There, there really hasn't been much value there with the Jets offense. But I do think they're sort of building in the right direction. And again, this might be my Northeast bias sort of coming out again, growing up sort of, uh, you know, the first ever football game I went to as a Jet fan, but or as a Jet game, but uh, they've got some good young pieces. And you mentioned Hall and you mentioned, you know, Carter's in the mix there as well with Tevin Coleman. So they've got some decent, decent pieces. Can they put it all together by protecting Zach Wilson? And can Zach Wilson finally come through this season in his sophomore year? Yeah, I absolutely see where you're coming from there, Greg, and it's a good point. And when you bring up uh, protecting Wilson, uh, my deep dive this offseason into the Jets, uh, I was actually surprised to learn that PFF had them graded as the 11th ranked offensive line at the end of the 2021 season. And they actually added Lakin Tomlinson coming over from the 49ers who made the Pro Bowl as a guard last season. So they're just up, they're upgrading that unit as well, in addition to all the, the skill players. So protecting yeah. them is huge, like you said. And I, I just think they're kind of pushing all, pushing all the right buttons. We'll see if that uh, that jet stigma can wear off of them a little bit here after a decade of really nothing going on for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not it's not um, you know fantasy talk, but you know we talk we talk covers all the time, so um, you know they could be they could be sneaky covers. I bet that that division is <laughs> tough to win though, so <laughs> they may they might get away with a few uh, covers. All right, so uh, let's get right into Pat. Your picket picket at number seven. What's sure. your thought? Pro- what's your thought process there? Yeah, so again, this is a super flex strap that we're doing here. So obviously, in, in, in super flex formats, particularly formats that have twelve plus teams in them, the the quarterback position, just based on scarcity alone and the uh, the number of points that the position scores, you know, th- those positions are just so so valuable. And in this class, we only had one quarterback come off the board in the first round, and that was Kenny Pickett at pick twenty to the Steelers. So you know, with how valuable these QBs are. When we look back on these QBs that hit, we find that they're never cheaper than they are during their rookie drafts that they're in. Because going forward, if, if once these quarterbacks hit, you're, you're talking about spending three, four, you know, first round draft picks, if not, you know, a couple established players just to get one of these guys on your roster. So if I can grab a guy like Kenny Pickett, who the only only first round quarterback taken in his class here in the middle of the first round at 107 of a super flex rookie draft, I feel pretty good about that. And the landing spot was was a good one for me as well. You know, Pittsburgh is a, it's, it's very much not the Jets in terms of a, an organizational structure. You know, it's one of the best organ, run organizations in the league. And they have a, a really professional head coach in Mike Tomlin, who, you know, is going to, is going to hopefully put this guy in some situations to succeed. And he actually said the other day, this is coach Tomlin saying that there's a real chance that that Pickett could win the job outright in a competition uh, from day one over, over Mitch Trubisky, who they brought in from Buffalo in the off season. So, you know, this is a guy that he slipped to me in the middle of the first round here, and I was really happy to get my hands on a, on a, the only quarterback taken in round one this year. All right. Uh, anyone else have any thoughts on Pickett before we move on? Yeah, I think – I mean, I think the big thing to remember is, you know, talking super flex and QBs, you know, they're, they're rated a little bit, you know, more, more value in these type of drafts too. And I think Pickett's probably in the clo- – you know, if they're, if they're like showing a picture, if they're all the Q- rookie QBs are in a race – you know, they, they, they're just showing like uh, where they're at in that race. He's obviously leading as far as like um, contention for the starting job. Um, but I think they all are in the almost the exact same position where they, they still do have a position battle, you know, whether it's him or, or, or Ritter or, or Willis, too. So I think they all have a very similar position. But if you have to choose between all of them, I think um, Pickett's probably, uh, you know, the safest to go with. There's, you know, kind of leading that race out of the other rookies. Yeah, he's yeah. got the best best chance to 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 obviously win that starting rule. I, I don't think Tannehill's in much danger. 
Uh, they bring obviously Marcus Mariota, unless Desmond Ritter comes in and, and pulls a, you know, Russell Wilson on him. Uh, I think Marcus Mariota is going to be all right there in uh, in Atlanta as well. Oh, it pains me to hear that. Oh. <laughs> it pains me to hear that. Oh my word. Okay, so let me get back on track. Uh, so eight and nine, uh, Willis and Olave. I I like the Olave decision by the computer at nine. I. I'm kind of big on Alave. I wasn't. I was actually, believe it or not, I was torn between him and uh, and and London. That's how high I am on him. So, anyone else have any takes on those, or we can go right on to Aaron's pick, which is which is the definite reach. <laughs> I want to hear about this reach at one ten from Aaron Brown. Let's hear it, Aaron. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. So the, here's the funny thing. Here's my thinking. I'll kind of walk it through. So with the tenth pick of our. 2022 mock draft. I went James Cook from Georgia. Um, here's a funny thing is Carmen just mentioned um, Alave, you know, at the ninth pick computer. So, um, you know, I didn't have anybody to like cuss out with, you know, cuss, cuss out, I guess, in this mock draft because it was the, uh, the computer picking. Um, but here, you know, this is a position where like, hey, I had to pick somebody. Um, if it was probably my, my you know, an actual draft in fantasy, I would just would probably consider trading because Alave is the guy I wanted at, at 10, but, you know, did see the computer grabbing him. But, hey, here with James Cook, I, I figure, hey, he was the second running back off the board. Uh, you know, we're talking about landing spots. Aside from Bryce uh, Hall, Brees Hall, he probably has the second best landing spot out of all the running backs in this draft. Um, I like, you know, his explosive play. Um, you know, playmaking ability with Buffalo, and they're they're a high flying offense that scores all the time. So there's plenty of scoring opportunities for everyone in that offense. So, um, you know, James Cook wasn't a you know a pre draft um, guy that was you know talked about it was like the Kenneth Kenneth Walkers and all all them, but James Cook kind of fell into that that spot that hey, I kind of leaned more into the position he you know uh, landing with Buffalo and that offense. Kind of just seems to me like a good opportunity, and Buffalo's, you know, the the one of the most talked about problems with them is they can't they can't run the ball. So they went winning drafted a running back, um, you know, the next next running back after Hall. So that's that's kind of my thinking. But um, you know, have at me, have at at your will, and you know, let me know your thoughts. Uh, Commish, do you want to bury him first, or should I? Oh, don't, <laughs> let me, don't don't let me get in your way, my man. Go for it. All right, so look, I'm gonna go and say that he's not even the best running back out of Georgia. That's 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 my take on it. Um, no, I mean, I I knew I think I think Aaron was a little uh, taken aback because he was I knew for a fact he wanted Olave. <laughs> so so when Olave got taken, I think he was just like, screw it, I'm gonna take the Buffalo running back. So that's <laughs> that's what I think happened. Um, Anyone else want to talk, uh, pile on on uh, Mr. Brown's reach with Big Ten? Uh, can I? I'm going to try to. Can, can I try to back him up a little bit? All right. Sure. Climb All on right, board. Aaron, <laughs> I'm going to have you back here for a second. Um, you know, I, I kind of see where you were coming from. I, I, you know, obviously being the brother of of Dalvin Cook is is a good thing, and he ran well at Georgia. He might not have been the best running back at Georgia coming out of uh, this class or whatever it may have been, but. You know, you go to a place like Buffalo, and you're right, there are a lot of scoring opportunities. The thing that sort of scares you, obviously, is that Josh Allen takes some of those opportunities away. 
You don't know what there is with Zach Moss, although he weirdly seemed to be in and out of the doghouse last year. And that Devin Singletary is, he's never really been able to get a stranglehold of that job. So you bring James Cook in and maybe it's just a fresh face and maybe they find something in him. And maybe, you know, he surprises us all and he becomes the bell cow back there because it seems like they've been searching for a bell cow back where they don't have to run Josh Allen all of the time in that Buffalo offense. And Hey, maybe, maybe it is James Cook. Maybe you're not crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I could have like a second rebuttal here is like, Hey, we mentioned it too with, you know, with fantasy um, and, and kind of shooting your shot with the running backs is, Hey, they go off the board really quick. And he fell in a position that he can get some, you know, good reps, good playing time. And in a draft like this, there's, I like a lot of wide receivers on this board, which I think I'm the next one to talk about over the next pick as well, who fell to me at, at two, three as well. So um, I think, you know, considering how, you know, the, the options at running back and comparing how limited they are compared to how deep the wide receivers are, I, I kind of went for Cook here. So that, that's kind of <laughs> a little bit of my, my rebuttal. Yeah, fair enough. All right. And I, you know, I, I don't think it's really that, that much of a reach, to be honest with you. They were, we're mostly, we're mostly giving you, giving you some crap here for, for the, for the fun of it. We, we, we wouldn't do that if we didn't like you, but uh, you know, it's a fine pick for the reason you said he's a, uh, he's a good, he's, he, the running back depth is, is just, you know, putrid in the middle of the season. It feels like when the injuries pile up, the only thing I'm worried about, and I'll make it brief here is that with, with James Cook, you know, he was taking essentially all the receiving work away from Zamir White at Georgia. He was the primary pass catcher out of the backfield. And that we just haven't seen Josh Allen do a whole lot of that because he's he's taking the ball and, and he's running it himself. And typically when quarterbacks scramble, the first thing it impacts is those those running backs who can who can catch the ball in the short area. So overall, you know, he's I do like the player, I like this his profile in my write-up. It's a it's a high profile landing spot in terms of being linked to a good offense. You know, and, and we'll see what happens to him from here. You know, it's uh, overall, I don't think it's a, it's a massive reach at one time. All right. All right. So, well, I guess we'll kind of let you off the hook, Aaron. All right. Well, we'll, <laughs> hey, we'll, 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 I'm wearing my big boy pants today, so it's all right. Go don't ahead. you worry. We're going to get to your homer pick. That's coming up. That's uh, <laughs> We're almost there. But uh, before we get to the 2-3, which was the next pick that Aaron took, I want to go to my uh, bell of the ball. That's the 2-2. Two, two. And that is the quarterback who I think ends up being the best quarterback in this class. And that is our boy. I always mess up the pronunciation of his name. So you guys can hammer me for that. It's, it's a Corel or Corel. I don't know. I'm not the good with There it is. All right. So I think he ends up being the best quarterback in this class. Uh, have at it if you choose to. But I actually like this pick at 2-2 because I actually think he ends up being the best. I was on board with with Carol. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna, not gonna really jump at you too much. I, I think he's got a solid contention of of getting that starting job. Probably won't be a day one starter, but I think you know Carolina was looking you know looking for uh, that next QB because obviously it wasn't working last year. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm gonna be more on the positive side. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I, I really like Matt Corral as a, as a quarterback being down here and. and- SEC country getting an opportunity to see him a lot uh, in some big moments. And, and I, I really like him a lot. He's, he's got a, lot, a great moxie to him and, and he's an athlete back there as a quarterback and he's a tough competitor. And obviously the injury that he sustained in that last game was, was tough and, and obviously affected his draft stock. He probably could have been, as you mentioned, uh, Carmine is the best quarterback in this draft and, and the guy who came off the board first, if he didn't get hurt there at the end of the season, 
Um, and it is a really good spot there in, in Carolina. And, and he's probably not going to be asked to do a whole lot just yet. Uh, as you mentioned, probably not a day one starter, but with the other options that they have there at quarterback, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of Sam Darnold. So you, you get an opportunity like a, a kid like Matt Corral to come in there and maybe eventually if the season doesn't go well for Carolina, and maybe they give him an opportunity halfway, three quarters of the way into the season. And, you know, you see what you have with him and, and you give him an opportunity to get in the training camp and really get into his playbook and, you know, just focus on getting healthy. I think that's the big thing for Matt Corral and, and not forcing him or rushing him back into the lineup and just to try to see what you've got in him in terms of a, a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, we'll get right into Aaron's pick, which, by the way, I'm going to say this right now. Uh, I'm a Sky Moore truther. I'm telling you right now, I'm all in on this guy, 100% all in. The fact that he went to the Chiefs, which is, you know, Aaron's wearing his Chiefs footy pajamas right now probably. He's a diehard Chiefs fan. <laughs> So I am 100% in on Sky Moore because this guy just destroyed people on slants. I, I know we played at a small school, and I get that, but there's something that translates to the pro level, and I said that on our last time, our last podcast, is that that translates so well to the pro level. If you're already killing people on slants, it's something that – it's like a skill that you don't need to worry about. So I actually love this pick by Mr. Brown. Uh, Kamish, what's your take on Sky Moore at 2-3? Yeah, I think this is about the range where I'm comfortable taking a shot in a guy like a Sky Moore, who, as you mentioned, uh, played really well for in the three years he was at Western Michigan, uh, really exploding in, in his senior season for 95 grabs, over 1,200 yards, and 10 touchdowns. You know, the the guys who run the slants, like you say, they, they do pretty well at the next level. Um, my only concern is that we haven't really seen – we haven't really seen a ton of players eat in, the, in a Patrick Mahomes and you read offense. We see Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey get theirs, obviously. And they're running backs with uh, varying degrees of success, but that third pass catcher has kind of been lacking a little bit in that department. So you're, it's a guy you're going to have to be patient with. They have Juju there coming in as a veteran this year on a one-year contract. Travis Kelsey still has another year or two of being a quality player. So I think those guys are still going to get theirs, but Sky Moore is someone who, you know, if you want relatively cheap exposure, to a high-scoring offense, this is a really good guy for you to circle and target in the early part of the second round of rookie drafts. All right, so uh, let's get right into the next. Oh, wait a second! Oh, no, no, no! To hear my homerness, or I, I tried to get rid. Of, listen, Greg, you don't know. It's painstaking. It's painstaking <laughs> being a being a host of a podcast with a guy who's a Chiefs fan. Why is it's, that? What's so bad about Chiefs fans? It's well, they, they, they were they, no, they were great when they had Schottenheimer. That's when they were awesome because they always they always they always lost. But now they're always in contention. So I actually watched uh, Jamar Chase light up the Chiefs with Mister Brown at, at a bar one day, and that that, that was the uh, my greatest moment. But go ahead, Mister Brown. The floor is yours. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll try to keep this short, but. Honestly, here, you know, my, my thinking with Sky Moore, you know, if we're talking this, these drafts is, hey, when I took Cook at 10, I was like, hey, I got Sky Moore. I can probably get in the second round with it. So those are my, like, you know, initial thoughts with, you know, talking value. I think he's a guy that just you can get early in that second that, you know, if somebody wants to reach, I probably want to go that far in the first. But um, I love it because, you know, a lot of teams play that shell coverage against the Chiefs and they, they're missing that slant wide receiver. Um, so I think 
I think that is, uh, I think he works out perfect in that offense to where, you know, they got Hardman to still stretch the the field out, you know, to kind of take Tyreek's spot. So they're still going to need to watch out for that deep ball. And that's kind of where Sky Moore um, comes in. So I think that's where like Beach is just like brilliant with, where, with how he drafts his, his uh, players. And I, I, I just think he fits in that offense. But as Pat said, you definitely got to watch out with the Chiefs, Chiefs players. Um, you know, good thing is, hey, Tyreek isn't there. So you got a lot of yards and touchdowns to catch up on and to fill in. You know, but the question is how much of that will be Sky Moore. So that's the only watch out. But I do love that ability, you know, is 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 route running and kind of more, you know, kind of that offense against that shell coverage that we we've been seeing um, against the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I'm a Sky Moore truther. It pains me that he's a Chief because now I have to deal with it all the time. But it, <laughs> I actually like the guy. I I think he's gonna be a next level talent. Uh, he's gonna be a receptions machine. Uh, that's that's my own take on him. But we'll get right into Pat's pick at 2-6. Now, Pat, i got to be honest with you. Kamish, I kind of thought you were going to take McBride here, but you went with Watson. So maybe I was misreading 100% or you just didn't like the tight end talent that much. But go ahead and give us a little insight, Mr. Kamish, on the uh, Watson pick. Yeah, happy to. And, and I do like the McBride as well. I think he's a guy who was just parachuted into a really crowded landing spot. Uh, between Zach Ertz being there in the tight end room, as well as a number of, of, uh, of wide receivers now in Arizona. So the tight ends take time to develop. And I, I was looking for more of a guy who I think is going to make an immediate impact here with Christian Watson. And Greg, maybe I can talk you off the ledge a little bit here with the uh, the Packers staff and this uh, this Christian Watson, Christian Watson fellow here. You know, they uh, he's a guy that Green Bay targeted. They, they, they packaged two second round picks to move up to get him at pick 34 uh, early on in day two of the draft. He, um, He's a guy that uh, your average fan, maybe even your average college football fan, might not know a whole lot, heck of a lot about playing up there at North Dakota. But I think for dynasty managers, if you were scouting Trey Lance at all in the last couple of seasons, you actually probably know more about Christian Watson than you think that you do. You know, if the, those long, a lot of those long bombs that Lance was throwing down the field, Christian Watson was the guy coming down with a lot of them. You know, he's a, he's a lanky receiver um, who creates you know, decent enough separation for a guy of his size. And he's landing in a spot here in Green Bay with this guy named Aaron Rodgers, who, like you mentioned, is the two-time MVP. He's pretty good at football for those who are those who haven't heard of him. But uh, you know, he's he's and he's also landing into a, a spot where he's walking into a wide receiver room that's really much devoid of any talent of you know of any kind. But we're talking about the corpse of Sammy Watkins, the corpse of Randall Cobb, and you know Alan Lazard, who's kind of just the definition of just a guy out there. So Christian Watson, he's almost a first-round talent, just just missed the first-round cut. He's walking into a really big opportunity, and I think it's really important too for uh, for his trade value. If you if you're a type of manager who likes to likes to move around a lot, and make a lot of moves, you know, there's a good shot he hits the ground running in the early to mid part of his rookie season on a really competitive team, and I think that could be good for him if you're looking to you know get some get in on that that major 2023 class, or if you're looking for a guy to compete with for the future. From your lips to God's ears, my friend. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> So, yeah, I actually like the pick, too. I thought it was a, a good pick. I, I just wasn't sure if you were going to go McBride or not in that. So I actually can't beat you up on that pick at all. I, I think it was a good pick. Hopefully you helped Greg out, clear his uh, conscience a little bit, make him feel a little bit happier about the situation over there. Yeah, I think that's a, that, that's a good point that you brought up about Trey Lance and something I hadn't even really thought about, that, that he was sort of on the other side of the guy who very well could be a – starting quarterback in the national football league. So we got an opportunity to play with him a lot. And, you know, 
know, just doing some research on him. I mean, obviously he's got some good size at six four, and yeah, he's really fast at at four three six in terms of his speed. And some people have compared him sort of to a Marquez Valdez Scantling, but he's a little bit more physical than a Marquez Valdez Scantling. And I'm seeing some comparisons to a guy like Javon Walker, who I mentioned earlier in the show, and uh, was really good, you know, for a number of years there with the Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre. So if he turns out to be sort of a Javon Walker type, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I, I would be too. So, <laughs> uh, Aaron, you got anything on uh, Watson? Are you ready to move on? No, I mean, I, I think it's a great pick, especially mid-round in the second. I think that's like that's actually a, a, a great pick, you know, great value pick there where that can really do, you know, um, I, I want to say like outperform that that pick in the second, you know, mid-second round. So he could be like your um, – Honestly, I think he might turn out better than uh, Amon Ra of last year, right? Because he didn't really turn on any, uh, you know, any highlight reels till the end of the season. So he could be, you know, from day one, early season, he can be involved in that offense, as, as Kamish uh, mentioned. Yeah, and the last word I'll, I'll throw there quickly on Watson. This is one of those guys where I think uh, we, when we dove into this mock draft, it was very, very early in the process. It was the day after the NFL draft ended. So the auto picks might not have been 100% in line with where your drafts are going to fall. I was able to get him here at 206. I think that's a great value. I think you're more than likely going to have to grab him at the end of the first round, if not the early second round of your rookie drafts. Yeah, I think he's like 18 to 112. Yep. That's my. I, that's where I have him. So depending on who's drafting what. But now uh, we'll get into the, the the number one running back out of Georgia. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that pick was 2-9, and that was by me. Uh, Captain Carmen. So I went with uh, Zamir White, and I know the knees. I know that's what everyone's going to say. You worry about the health. You worry about the health. But here's the deal: he went to a team that did not re-up their starting running back. <laughs> so it's dynasty. So I may have to wait a year. If he stays healthy, he's going to end up in a situation where he's going to be a bell cow, and that that's why that's why I took him. So anyone else want to jump on the uh... – Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there with you, uh, Captain Carmine. Yeah, I, I like your thinking there with Samir White. And, and you mentioned health issues. I mean, that's always something that's been talked about with Josh Jacobs. And if there's any health issues that, that he goes down this season, you might be looking at Samir White jumping right in there. Who knows what Kenyon Drake could do. Um, you know, he, they might just want to keep him sort of as that third down back uh, role and, and keep him into that, not slide him into that lead back role and, and Zamir White could could very well go in and, and slide right in there this season if if Josh Jacobs deals with more issues you know health issues that we've seen over the last couple of years and then we're talking about an even better offense with the Las Vegas Raiders uh, that Zamir White would be walking into with the type of passing offense that they have and obviously you have to you have to guard against Devontae Adams and Brian Edwards and Hunter Renfro and uh, Darren Waller, for, if he stays put, and Demarcus Robinson is there now. So they have a lot of weapons on the outside. This should lighten things up for a lot of the running backs. And whether it's Jacobs, uh, Drake, or White, I think any of them is probably going to have a pretty good season. Yeah, for yeah sure. I agree. I, think, I agree. So go ahead, Commissioner. Yeah, I'll just jump in there quickly. I, I mean, White is, you know, he's a, he's a between-the-tackles grinder. He didn't do much in the receiving game. At Georgia, but I think there's that that's perfectly fine for the reason Greg was saying. You know, it's, it's a really good long term spot, as you guys mentioned. And he's a guy who, you know, if 
if they're gonna, if, if there's gonna be so much attention paid to all those other skill players, like this is a guy who you can just you can pound the the, the rock with, and I think two years down the road we might be looking back at a guy like Zemir White. If you can get him in the mid to late second round of, you, of your uh, of your rookie drafts, I think that's going to be a steal. And as we go forward, I agree. I agree. I think um, I think White's you know a smart pick. You know, I'm going to say either in a lot of different scenarios, he's probably a smart pick in, in the world of dynasty because um, you know he's your insurance if you're a, if you're a Jacobs owner, which I I'm actually a Jacobs owner in a league too, so I uh, got my eyes on him a little bit. Where um, you know you kind of get the best of both worlds, where you have him as a handcuff, or if he you know, if he takes over, um, you know, if they don't re-up on Jacobs next year, then, um, you know, he he's your starter possibly. So it's probably a good, you know, um, it's a safe pick and smart pick too, especially when you're talking the world of dynasty running backs. So, um, you know, I can't really, can't really, um, you know, say too much, you know, negative things about him right now because, like I said, it's kind of safe. Yeah, and Aaron, I'm in that same league with you as is the commission. And uh, we can, I'll tell you this wholeheartedly. We're going to do everything in our power to make sure you don't get him. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, yeah, I mean, at the same time, I'm not scared of him having Jacobs because, I mean, it kind of, if anyone knows, uh, you know, last, you know, contract years, it's just going to make them, you know, kind of want to drive themselves up and, you know, motivate them even, even more to, to do well. So I think it's, it'll definitely motivate Jacobs to hopefully he lands a, uh, you know, a second, second contract out of, you know, out of his rookie contract. So um, I'm not scared <laughs> at the same time by having Jacobs, but uh, selecting white is, is like I said, a smart pick. All right. So we'll get, we'll get into the two eleven, and uh, that was Greg's pick. And that was Alec Pierce. You want to give us a little insight to that decision? Uh, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, I, I really, didn't know much about Alec Pierce. I hadn't watched a whole lot of Cincinnati football, but just as we were doing the draft, sort of doing some quick research on him and, and where he got drafted by the Colts. I think the – look, don't get me wrong. He's a talented uh, wide receiver, uh, obviously being there in, in Cincinnati with that offense with Desmond Ritter. He's got good size at 6'3", uh, 213 pounds, and you know got some pretty good speed as well. But I really liked the fit there in Indianapolis with a, a team that should have a pretty good offensive line. I know they've had a couple of holes over the last couple of years, and obviously maybe having Carson Wentz uh, didn't really help. But I think having a more talented quarterback there is going to help not only that offense that has one of the best, if not the best and most dynamic running back in the league in JT, Jonathan Taylor, uh, running the football, toting the rock. You have Michael Pittman Jr., and you can slide Alec Pierce right in there, possibly as that number two receiver. I, I don't know if it's if you guys feel like it's too early to say that, but everything that the Colts have sort of thrown at the wall over the last couple of years hadn't really stuck with Zach Pascal or Paris Campbell hadn't really been able to stay healthy. Uh, so I'm looking for Alec Pierce to come in there and have a big time opportunity with a guy who's a, a former MVP and who can still sling the rock at Matty Ice, as as I know, Carmen, you not you know. Carmine, you know him, obviously, real there out in uh, out Boston. Oh, yeah, yeah. Matt, look, I said that Matt Ryan is the difference between the Colts not making the, uh, the playoffs and making the playoffs. <laughs> That's how I 100%. feel. If they, had, if they had Matt Ryan last year, they'd make the playoffs. <laughs> they're, the, they're in the playoffs. Kamish, what, what do you think about, uh, about Alec Pierce? Yeah, not to suck up to our guest here, Greg, but I, I thought this was one of the better picks in the second round, uh, to be honest with you, grabbing him at, at, at 211 for a lot of the reasons that you guys mentioned. You know, he's a guy who is going to – is gonna. I really think he's going to be the number two receiver there from day one. 
Um, and he may even be more of a priority than any of the tight ends they have there. So I think he's very much the second pass catcher for Matt Ryan, who obviously he's getting a little longer in the tooth, but throughout his, his history, he's shown that he can support multiple, multiple high, um, you know, high scoring fantasy wide receivers, whether it be Roddy White and uh, Julio and then Julio to, to Calvin Ridley. So at 211, especially, we're kind of quickly getting into dart throw territory here. So to grab a guy like that who's good, who should start very early and often for a, a really good Colts team, I think it's a really good value here in the second round, and I think we're going to see uh, good things from Pierce right away. Well, I appreciate yeah. you making me making me blush a little bit there, Commission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I concur. I, I, I thought it was a good pick. I thought it was a good pick. I mean, a lot of people are scared of guys, uh, you know, from, you know, not the big, huge schools. But I think, if anything, the wide receiver position is one of those positions that – You've seen a fair share amount of guys who make it to the NFL and end up, you know, putting up big numbers and not necessarily coming from the biggest schools, right? So I, I, I like the pick as well. I think Pierce is a good call. Yeah, I, should say, I, should, I should clarify this too, Greg. We're really nice right. to guess the first time they're on with us. So uh, uh, okay. next, okay. next time we'll be knives out. Next time we have okay. to look out. Good. All right, good. That means I'm, I'm guaranteed to come back again. So at least the, there's that. But – I will say this, and I want to get your guys' take just quickly on this because a couple other guys that I was sort of thinking about taking in that spot, maybe maybe a John Mechie uh, out of Alabama who's you know going to be in Houston. Obviously, you don't love the quarterback's you know, position there in, in Davis uh, Mills. But there's also another guy that my same FCS guy that I talked to on my show the last couple of weeks about this draft, he was huge on Pierre Strong, the running back. Uh, that ended up going to New England, and he actually really likes that fit for New England. Where do you guys sit on both of those guys between Mechie and, and Strong? I'll go first with Mechie. Um, I think similar pick to Pierce, where it's I think I think I can see why you probably were narrowing down between the two. I I like going Pierce over Mechie there, but I think they are in a very similar position. The only thing is, like if you're looking at tiebreakers, we talk about sometimes like. I'd tiebreaker, you know, them with uh, with Ryan, you know, with who's throwing him the ball over over Mills. But I like I like Mechie, you know. I, I think um, I uh, I think you know, right in that range. I think you know, Pierce goes um, wherever in the draft. I think Mechie will probably follow like right after. So I think a lot of people will probably compare those two in their heads, and probably the tiebreaker will be who's throwing the ball. But um, that's that's my opinion over the wide receivers there. Yeah, I'll jump in on. Uh, Patriots running backs and Pat can have the, the commission can have the final word uh, in, in fantasy. My general rule of thumb is that Bill Belichick hates running backs and he hates fantasy. So same. I'm with you. <laughs> that's why I didn't go with him because I, I'm scared. I, I have the same exact feeling. And that's when I saw he went to New England. I, I, I don't mind the fit, but it's just so sketchy for fantasy running backs. I just, I can't trust it. Yeah. He probably Commission. has an analytic – he's probably got a fantasy analytic guy that's telling him at the goal line, like, hey, 80% of the people have uh, Damien Harris here. Let's give it to Burkhead or let's give it <laughs> – you know, I'm pretty sure he does that. <laughs> yeah, and, Go uh, ahead. I can, Go ahead, Commission. I, I can jump in on that too as the resident Patriots man in the room, born and raised in New England. Uh, that that uh, the analytics guy you're talking about, his name's Ernie Adams, and he actually just retired a year ago. He's like the original, original analytics guy in the NFL, but – I, you guys have it half right. Like Belichick loves the running back position and he definitely hates fantasy football because he hates telling us who that guy is going to be from week to week. I swear the guy walks into a casino 
and he plays roulette and whatever number comes up that that's the guy who's getting who's getting the Brock on game day which is which is awful for fantasy because we what we want is predictability um, from week to week and, and who's going to get those carries and I was in my in my research on the running back group this year I was I fell in love with Pierre Strong right away this guy smaller known school he's, he went to South Dakota but he had seven he had uh, over seven yards per carry in three of his four seasons uh, for South Dakota which is just off the charts good for a running back. Um, I was hoping he'd get a little bit higher draft capital, and I was hoping he landed a little bit better spot. So I, I do like the player. I think he's definitely worth a third round dart throw towards the end of your rookie drafts to kind of plug in as a as a you know a deep depth piece on your roster. You know, we we saw Damian Harris take a couple of years to develop, but he finishes RB thirteen last season. So these are guys that you want cheap exposure to. Definitely grab them in the third round of your running drafts because of the talent, and uh, maybe he'll get in there once in a while uh, and score some good points for your fantasy team. But not knowing you want to really, you know, highlight early in the second round of your draft for sure. All right. Well, does anyone have any final questions for Greg? We'd like to thank you for coming on the uh, Sunday Show Fire podcast. Uh, I, I would say this: I'm a diehard Giants fan, and uh, my team hasn't been relevant, so it must be nice to cheer for a relevant team. Wait, uh, so in the you're from Boston, and you're not a Patriots fan. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Diehard what? Giants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah, well. There's a little history uh, back in the '70s. I don't know. I'm, I'm. I think I'm the oldest person in this group. So uh, the Patriots were so horrible they blacked them out. They didn't show them on TV. Uh-huh. Um, so they showed the Giants, the Steelers. I can't. I think the Bears, and I can't remember the other team. But um, so my family just cheered for the Giants, and then we just never switched. We just stuck stuck with the team that. We grew up watching. So Giants, Red Sox, Celtics, Bruins. Interesting. Yep. Yep. So thank you for coming on. I, I don't have any further questions. Uh, Commission, got any further questions for Greg? I, I just thought it was really great having you on here, Greg. Appreciate you taking the time out of your, your busy schedule to join us here. You know, uh, is there anything else uh, good you got coming up on, on either your podcast or your, your live show or anything coming up good that we should know about? Uh, no, I just, I just think, um, and I appreciate you guys having me and, and I look forward to, to coming back as we get closer to the season, maybe during the season. And if, uh, any, y'all have any uh, spots in your fantasy uh, leagues for me, let me know. I'll, uh, love to compete with you guys and, and have some fun with that. If there is an opening, if not, I totally understand. I know how those things go, but, uh, you know, just, just follow me, uh, on, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at G underscore ESPN chat. We, uh, we try to put out, uh, you know, some good content there and if you want to follow along with the show i uh, i i usually put out every single day what kind of guests i'm having on what we're talking about on the live show again noon to two on the word with g espn chattanooga.com you can download the espn chattanooga app for free and you can keep, kind of keep up with everything that we're doing uh, on there and uh the, the podcast that we do is is called chat it up you can find it wherever you get your podcasts and uh it's me and, and two other of my friends and uh, from here in, in Tennessee, and we, uh, we just sort of chop it up. We also have a segment on, on my live show that we do every Friday called Feel Good Friday, and it's usually you know sports talk on the show with, with the side of guy talk, and then the podcast is usually we try to make it guy talk with the side of sports talk. So we try to differ it up a little bit. We, we had a former Major League uh, relief pitcher on the show the other day, that was a really, really good, long conversation, an hour and 45 minutes, but well worth it. A lot of good stories and uh, things like that, and hoping he'll share more stories the next time he comes on with us. But that was really it. I just I thank you guys for, for having me. I'm, I'm really uh, grateful to get on the platform.
platform and uh, to talk with you guys and chop it up and do that mock draft was cool. It's not something I really haven't haven't done before, so that was that was fun. I'm glad we got an opportunity to come on and uh, talk about it. All right. Well, thank you, Greg. We uh, we definitely appreciate it and uh, look forward to having you back. Um, and yeah, we might take you up on that offer because we know uh, around here our our, our leagues um, can be kind of hardcore sometimes to where, you know, we, we've kicked we've kicked owners out of the leagues and that's how some <laughs> open. <laughs> that's how some that's free cool. up. So so we'll definitely let you know if, if someone gets booted or something like that. And then uh, you can you can uh, you can definitely uh, have a spot to join. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for the uh, for having me on. It's been a blast. Thanks, Greg. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, that was a that was a great uh, that was a great mock draft, guys. What do you think of our guest? I thought it was awesome, man. You know, Greg, you know, Greg, Greg really crushed it here at the draft, and it, it's so awesome to have an outsider's perspective on on these things. You know, the three of us chat all the time, and you know, we we kind of we kind of get into a group thing mentality sometimes. So it's awesome to have that that professional outside influence come in here and, and kind of give us his two cents, particularly a guy like Greg who, who has that college football background now that he's been, uh, you know, moved down to the South. So we're talking rookies here. Always good to hear from a guy who's watched a lot of these guys at the ground level. So it's really, really great to have Greg on here tonight. I agree. I agree. Cause I think, you know, we were so deep dived into like, you know, pre-draft rankings and, you know, we look at a million lists and stuff. We were looking at lists last year, right? So it's definitely like a breath of fresh air to bring someone that just, you know, knows a lot about college, knows a lot about the pros, and then can just give their, you know, honest opinion over talent, landing spots and stuff. And then not specifically that's looking at these dynasty rankings all year long. It's definitely, definitely nice to get that perspective, like you said, because, um, you know, we talk it so much. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of people and Sometimes we just overly think uh, over people too. So I, I agree. Definitely, definitely fun. All right. So before we close this one out, I'm, I'm going to try out a new nickname on you guys. All right. You know, I, I'm Captain Carmen, but pretty soon they're going to have to call me uh, Captain Combat Carmen because all I keep doing is just throwing gems on bets for fights out there into the atmosphere. So if anyone saw my pick, Katie Taylor, underdog, beating Amanda Serrano, plus 120. Some books had her at plus 140. I'm just going to say this. Check the Instagram page. I'll be putting in the MMA picks this upcoming week. Big card, big fight. I'll keep getting you guys winners. And in the great words, Sunday Showfire, peace.